Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, and welcome back for another episode of the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Hey, a couple quick little housekeeping items before I get on with today's guest. We have several e-learning courses that are available. We developed them in 2017 and we plan on creating about six more courses throughout 2018. But for podcast listeners, we created a promo code that gets you 10% off any course. So if you go to courses.zeniumhr.com and I'll put a URL link in the show notes. Um, but if you type in pod, P-O-D, in the promo code when you're checking out, you get 10% off. So wanted to share that benefit with you, the podcast listeners. And then uh, secondly, we are going to be doing a podcast soon on the book called Powerful by Patty McCord. She's um, an executive or she was a previous executive at uh, Netflix and recently released a book in January. So I'm going to connect with Tyler Mavison, who is a Zenium HR person here at Zenium, and we're going to discuss the book. And uh, just preparing for that, I wanted to just encourage you to uh, fill out a survey that we have in the show notes or on the Zenium blog, or write us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever, and then screenshot it and you know email it to me or whatever, just, just so there's proof that you did it. And then that will sign you up um, for a potential drawing for that book. Uh, and that, I'll be giving that one away next, just in kind of preparation for the podcast. So it's, a, it's I've been reading it. It's a great book. I think you're going to like it. Anyway, so on to today's topic, uh, just in the spirit of getting ready for 2018, I interviewed Angela Perkins, uh, VP of Sales and Marketing at Zenium. She's out talking with clients all day, every day, talking about what their needs are, what their desires are from an HR, payroll perspective, benefits, all that stuff. And so we were like, let's do a 2018's trends. Like what's on the minds of employers right now and what, what should be people be focused on? So we, we talked for about 40 minutes. It's a little bit longer podcast than usual, but we touched on so many great things from compliance to all the strategy-based stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to step aside and I'll get on with the podcast interview with Angela Perkins. So I got one of my favorite guests uh, internally at Zenium back with me, Angela. Good to have you. Hi, Brandon. You know I just come for the coffee, right? <laughs> you come for the coffee. <laughs> That's right. And you only come to co-host most, or I guess guest host some of the time. So yeah. we've had you on a couple of times recently, and I, I think people really appreciated those episodes. Yeah, so it's fun. It's, it's good to have fun. you back on the other side of the mic. Love being um, here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So today we're going to talk about 2018. A lot of planning. There's a lot of stuff in the news 
compliance or strategy, all that stuff that employers need to think about. So I want to structure this. I want to talk about compliance first, the okay. necessary evils, mm-hmm. as I, I like to call it, of HR. And then I want to hit some strategy points. What do employers need to think about for 2018? Sure, absolutely. So let, let's start with the compliance Sure. So, and and let me let me set the context this way too, Brandon, because I want to make sure that as uh, folks kind of go into this, like, ooh, what's happening in 2018? Um, context wise, I'm talking to small business owners, right? Yes. So, so I'm not necessarily all um, in tune to what Google's doing from a strategy perspective or what Airbnb is worried about from a compliance perspective. This is you know, salt of the earth, small business owner, maybe have a couple of employees up to a couple hundred. That's really my context, right? So that's, that's the um, conversation that I'm having. And and the folks that I hear the concern from. So I I just I wanted to put that out there so that we could really distinction because you're having a lot of those conversations with that that audience. And for the large part, I think that that is our audience for this podcast. So that's perfect. Thanks for laying that ground. Yeah, you betcha. So so 2017, you know, to close that year out, really interesting year from a compliance perspective, right? We had a change in the White House that brought a lot of just uncertainty around what what's that going to mean from a compliance perspective and policy change and that sort of thing. We obviously had the the big halt in the overtime rules. That was a huge undertaking for HR departments in 2017 that came to a screeching halt in Q4. Some folks had already made changes, but now they're stuck yeah, with like, them. They're stuck with them basically from a, a philosophical yeah. standpoint, policy standpoint. Yep. Now we're you can't Here we are. It, right? Yep. Yep. So that was an interesting thing. And then obviously, really more the back half of the year and, and building up for a while, but we had Me Too campaign come yes. through. And that's fresh. That's still going on. It really is. Although there's a no time's up. Uh, that's the other one. That's, that's right. a kind of Me Too time's up. Like, I think it's just a, sort of a change in the, the how people are treating each other. And Absolutely. Kind of that respect in the workplace and what do we need to be keeping our eye on? And, and HR departments and HR leaders and business owners are. are have piqued interest in this and wanting to say, what am I supposed to be doing? And, and, you know, on that end, from a compliance perspective, the the take that I took was folks are hearing about it and the media is providing lots of opportunity for them to learn about it. So take a stand as an employer, right? And, and have your voice in there as well. So lots of activity around that in 2017, not, not any of that's going away, right? No, so I, there's I a lot of those it. same kinds of concepts um, that are on the minds of employers today. But 2018, you know, interestingly enough, there's not a lot um, at the federal level that employers are keeping their eyes on. Um, it's more at state level that is providing us some opportunity to wrap around. So sick leave has still been something that's pushed out to a lot of states. Um, it's continued to gain complexity and change. Um, I know locally here in the Northwest, Washington has gone through a big, significant adjustment there. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the some states were adopting the marijuana laws recreationally, you know, Oregon, Washington, California, and then it started like all these other states started out. doing it. Yeah. It's kind of the same with the sick pay, right? Yeah, yeah, or, absolutely. Or, yeah. yeah, nothing like being on bleeding edge of this some sort of thing. And <laughs> and I'll tell you where employers are struggling with it is what does this mean for my policy, right? So yeah. I, I already provide great benefits for my team members through a PTO or a vacation policy. So what, what do I need to do to change it? And then the other complexity is tracking, which yeah. is super annoying, but it, it's a reality. And, and frankly, payroll platforms aren't up to speed all the way. And so having the ability to track it efficiently has been just kind of a conundrum for employers. So I think the other component that's probably often missed with a lot of these compliance oriented things is employees are 
smart for the most part, right? They they're listening. They're hearing a lot of these things pop up, you know, sick pay, all you know, all that, all those sort of things. So then they start to question it. Well, meanwhile, employers are trying to get their arms around. Okay, how do we need to change this? Yeah. But there needs to be some communication back and forth, Indeed. doesn't there? Uh, critical, right? Yeah, because to your point, the employees are getting their definitions from somewhere, whether it's somewhere, a, somebody, yeah. a buddy, on the media, wherever. Um, so the employer needs to have clarity. And sometimes that employer doesn't have clarity. So you have to sort of ebb and flow with the legislation coming out and then being able to massage that policy into reality for you. The other thing that's coming through in 2018, you know, again, going back to the Me Too and just a lot of diversity inclusion focus, but the Equal Pay Act of 2017 here in Oregon, again, expected to kind of push across the United States at some point and has already kind of sprinkled around. But the the reality of that is employers' obligations to make sure that they're paying fairly, which is not a new law. So there's always been laws around yeah, it's that. Been around forever. Um, but it's just it's tightening up and it's burdening employers with the reporting of that and the ability to prove. So what has to go into that? What kind of documentation can you do to report? Boy, on that? I guess I wish I could tell you that right now. <laughs> um, I think what what we're really saying to employers now is if you haven't been paying attention to compensation. Now's the time. Now's the time. And I I guess if you had documented philosophy around it and then you're and you're regularly doing probably market analysis analysis on Mm -hmm. an annual basis or maybe even more frequent than that at least you have that as a documentation to say hey look no i i i did look at all the positions yep and And, and the other thing that helps obviously is structure around that right so you have pay grades and you know where folks can what their opportunities are in different areas of in your business and frankly for the small business employer not many of them have gone through the structure side of it they might have a philosophy hey i want to pay my people well but have they taken the effort to actually go to market and get those competitive surveys know what the market's Uh doing and then really structure your compensation design to say Mm -hmm. this is what these kind of pay bands are going to represent for this and then pay fairly inside that and that's the big piece is not having so much subjectivity i guess to the the pay i could see employers doing one or two things with with this do the bare minimum cover their base so they they pull wage surveys by a position and then they sort of keep that to themselves and just sort of internally sort of look at okay we're going to pay these positions this way and then you know, in a reactive mode situation, they would say, hey, no, look, we, we're paying fairly because we're doing it this way. Employers who are probably more forward-thinking and progressive, they're probably going to be a little more transparent about it. They're going to show some level of wage banding. Right. They'll show the data. Like managers may walk the employee through, here's, here's how we came to this number, and maybe take more of a partner approach, would you say? Right. I, w- I would hope so. I mean, I, I think it, it bleeds into to transparency. And that's, again, a fundamental, I, I guess, conviction that an employer might have or not. And so it, it gets complex. But I, I'll say this, and, and I, I envision a future podcast on this topic, <laughs> not with me, but with Tana, who is <laughs> yeah. our compensation expert. But part of it is that this the change is you're able to go in Oregon, as an example, to the Bureau of Labor and file a complaint because you feel that you're not being paid fairly. So again, if if an employer wants to be proactive about this, it's about getting those programs set to your point, do the baseline, 
understand where you're at because that's the first step is first, you might feel yeah. that you're fair, but let's take a look at it because fairness is not in t- or lack of fairness, I guess, doesn't have to be intentional. It, it's it could be that you oh, have someone happen. that yeah. was hired 10 years ago and now we've got pay compression issues and yes. we're hiring. Yeah. Right. So it's not intentional. Nobody's judging the fact, but you just you have to be aware. You yeah. have to know where you're sitting. I think a lot of people this law is probably created because of possible discrimination right against men women other ethnicities right but it's not always about that i think i think is what you're saying right not intentional i i I have i am hard pressed to come across an employer that's intentionally doing that it's circumstantial but it doesn't mean that they can't be pulled into a courtroom over it so so probably more to come on this yes yes. go back to the before we jump from compliance to some of the other things we want to hit go back to the harassment stuff real quick Mm -hmm. there's so much noise Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. employees are probably like I mean, it's always in the news because ho- it's hit Hollywood, right? right? Really hard. Right. So they're thinking the Me Too campaign. They're seeing these speeches from people like Oprah Winfrey about 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 this. And these are legitimate issues. It's bleeding into the workplace. People feel like they have a voice now, which is fantastic. How do employers address this? They can't it. control all their employees, obviously, no. and their decision making. But what do we? What do they do? Educate. Educate, yeah. educate. You got to get folks understanding what harassment is. Not just managers, but everyone in the workplace needs to understand what it is and what it isn't. Because to your point, it's getting romanticized or or hyped up in the media, and and these are crazy stories, and they're real. This is really happening to folks. But in our normal day to day life, how is that employee seeing that story of that Hollywood? person and how are they translated into their you got to give them the context or they're creating their own context so educate all day long and this can be in the form of it doesn't have to be huge and and really formal it doesn't have to be a day-long seminar i'm talking educate on what harassment is and is not educate on what is legal and is not get your managers understanding what a complaint is because that's one of the things we see so commonly is a, a maybe an underdeveloped manager has an employee come to them and say, I feel uncomfortable working with John. And they say, oh, John's fine. That's just John. They don't understand their responsibility to really thoroughly take a look at that, that concern of that employee. So get those managers what they need so that they can help you as, you know, the business owner, you need those folks doing some blocking and tackling for you. So that would, that's an easy answer to this very complex problem that we have in the workplace. That's a good point. And I think like, it has a, a lot of the stuff has to do with culture, right? Because I think if you're in a, inside of your company culture for so long, things could start to go a certain way. And it's like, oh, it's the norm for us. And I think that's probably what happened to Hollywood, right? Sure. It's just like, yeah, it's the norm, right? right? It's the business. You have to come out and say as an employer what's okay and what's not. Obviously, there's the law side of it, but you have to know where your boundaries are, I think. And, and employers can do a lot to to be vocal about what their philosophy is and what they're going to tolerate and not. Absolutely. Yeah. We hear so many times from employers saying, I had no idea this was going on in my workplace. So that is another thing is just you're bringing it to the surface. It's not that it's not happening. I think that's a, a common misconception too, is that we'll talk to small businesses that say, oh, that's not a problem here. And it, you sure. know, at the end yeah, of the day, is, yeah. you got people. And, and so we need to get those folks understanding, again, just the baseline understanding of it so that you can be sure that it's not happening here. And it's because everyone has, to your point, they know what the company expects of them. They know consequences if they don't follow those expectations. So I, I think that is don't just assume it's not happening because you don't know about it. Anything else from a compliance standpoint? 
Now let's move on. Boy, yeah. right? I know. We could sit all day on <laughs> compliance stuff and it's not the, it's not I, the fun stuff. You mentioned it, necessary evil. It, it's not going away. And, no, and I think that is one of the sensitivities I have to HR professionals and departments and small business owners is this is not something you can always be proactive around because we're delivered some of these things, right? Hit the points right now and then we'll dive into each one of them uh, briefly. Give me your top five strategy-based uh, trends in HR. Oh boy! I mean, HR is such a—it's a such a major component to business nowadays that I, I imagine not all of your your points are going to be touchy feely based stuff, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's not all communication. No. I mean, it's a little bit of that. But yeah. want you quick hits. Your five, your top okay. five things. Top five. So I would start with um, skill gap. This is not a new 2018 thing, but it is very much at the forefront of business owners' minds. And when I say that, it's talent shortage, skill gap of their teams to get their business objectives met, right? Employee experience. And we'll go deeper into this, but this is kind of a play off of employee engagement, which has been long, you know, sort of in the vernacular in the HR world, but employee experience is definitely taking a a new meaning. Flex schedules, uh, it kind of ties into employee experience, but still that focus on remote workforce, productivity being more important than hours in the office. I know you've done a podcast on that Mm -hmm. in the past, still very much um, something that even if employers aren't wanting to think about it, their employees are driving them to think about it. Leveraging technology, huge, right? So we can get all crazy on what the big, big companies are doing with artificial intelligence, robots, all of that kind of stuff. But leveraging technology is huge, even for the small business owner. And then somewhat tied to that data. So for HR departments, and this has, again, been a growing trend, but we used to talk a lot about HR business, part be a business partner. Well, data has helped HR do that. So that has continued to be a trend. Okay, let's hit up skills gap first. Okay. That, was the, that was the first point you made. Yep. So I imagine skills gap is is important to look at from a probably workforce planning standpoint. So let's say you're you're hiring a bunch of new positions or the business is sort of transforming or you're you're moving into a new market or expanding the market, whatever your business may be going through, you sort of have to take a landscape at what you have first, yep. right? That's mm-hmm. kind of probably the first stage of the skills gap. What what are some other things that um, may be a pain point or something that's just it's gonna be on the employer's minds for two thousand eighteen? You know, at the end of the day, it is just simply that the talent is not out there to hire. So outside, if I'm I'm looking at, oh, I need to fill this skill. Yep. So you're talking about really it's developing then. It's it's both. So skill gap, meaning when they're looking at what they have, to your point, right? They're looking at what they have. It's how do I particularly as a small business. So we we talk about succession plans and developing your, you know, who's your successor and all of that. And, and frankly, Brandon, we can take it and make it be about you for a, se- a <laughs> oh, second. God. How does a small business afford to have a succession plan in place for all critical roles within the organization? Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. So that skill gap is tough because you're, you're managing the balance of expenses and how quickly can we develop folks to take on that role and then shoot what if we've developed them and there's not an opening that this is a small That's business a really concern yeah. where you know the googles of the world the netflix of the world those all of yeah, microsoft layers layers they don't have that, that concern can, yeah. small businesses have that concern to say i there's a gap between my senior leaders and my next level down how do i help close that gap the, the other than secondary piece on it when we talk about skill gap is talent shortage in general so there is just not enough 
folks out there looking for the work. And so people are having to get creative. In terms of like plucking people from Well, certainly. And that's been and, out there, right? That's yeah, headhunters are in business for yes. that reason. But absolutely. But, but even if you look at the university level and who's graduating with what, the knowledge worker skill gap is there. But even more importantly, at the you know manufacturing level and distribution, yeah. those kinds of things, it's harder and harder to get skills. So there's lots of partnering with universities and trade schools and those thing, kinds of things to develop that talent, but just a continued pressure for employers to find people. And then you get into the conundrum of hiring just people. And then you've got this whole other thing going on where now now development becomes even more important. And so if there's a gap in the internal development and training and um, mentoring and coaching and all of that, then there's additional problems kind of down the road. So I imagine you'd probably say to address this, you probably just do an analysis first, right? Yeah. Figure out what you have, where the gaps lie, where do you need to go from here? I mean, that's probably how you plan out your year, uh, yep. right? So workforce planning um, activities can definitely help that. This is going to spill into some of my other topics. And frankly, they're all kind of interdependent um, they, or they, they codependent, I should say. Retention is, is yeah. big, right? If there's a skill gap and a talent shortage, you want to keep your, your folks happy and engaged in the work that they're doing and you want them to be on your team. So there's there's that piece of it. So stay interviews is a tactical mm-hmm. way to approach some of that, um, understanding what's keeping your people in their roles so that you don't have additional gaps in yeah. skill because you're they're leaving and walking out the door. Let's talk about employee experience. That was your, your second point. Yeah. I mean, this lens like to the culture, right? Absolutely. And, and just the, 100%. the, the piece, uh, how, what they feel about the company, the culture, what how they feel about the people. You'll love that. that. You'll love this. So where, where I see and hear and talk to employers about employee experience is not much different than what we talk about on the marketing side for customer experience. So just exactly. replace the word customer yeah. and employee, and it's literally the same fundamental concept. That's a concept. really good distinction. So if you think about that, it's a combination of culture engagement and performance management. So those three things paired together create this employee experience. And, you know, if it, listeners, if, if, if nobody's really dove into what um, Airbnb is doing, pretty fun, cool stuff that they're doing from an employee experience perspective. But again, to get back down to the roots of it, those of us that are small business owners, we don't get the chance to go hire a CHRO who's going to uh, pair yeah. up with the, you know, nice. the, the chief marketing officer yeah, and do all of these they launches. Have, they have one HR person exactly. who's doing all That's exactly stuff. right. But th- there is this overarching how can HR help with the overall employee experience that kind of dabbles into facilities. So what does your work environment yeah, look and feel like? So and, and that doesn't have to mean a multi-billion dollar building renovation. It, it can be little things that really improve the experience of the employee's time with you, which is, by the way, more than with anyone else. Generally speaking, employees are with their coworkers and at their place of work more than they are anywhere else. So so that's important is to sort of get that engagement. I think the re- well, I don't I'm not the only one that thinks this, but the, the main reason employee experience is becoming so important is what we talked about before, yeah. right? But also the convergence of this generational workplace that we've been talking about for years, but the millennials have found they, they have finally surpassed the Gen Xers. So there's more millennials in the workplace than there are Gen Xers. And that's a f- 
that's here now. That's today. That's, that's right today. now. Okay. And there's predictions of you know when they're going to be seventy percent of the workforce and all that's that. Crazy. Um, it it is a significant thing that we need to be thinking about because just to put generalization around millennials and again I know you've had topics on this yeah. um, particular area it, too. But usually it was always about the future is going to be driven by millennials yeah. and and you're saying it's it's here it's and here. I, that actually makes sense because there's been a drastic shift over the last couple of years Absolutely. with just. St- stuff that we want in our culture. Yeah. I mean, what I think what folks are really concerned, not concerned about, but recognizing is that, yes, they're here now in contributor roles, but in yeah. not too far from now, leadership. they'll be in leadership, right? And so that's where a lot of the focus is. But I would say from an average day employer, when you talk about employee experience, when you talk about recruiting strategy, when you talk about retention strategy, you have to be thinking about these things. Because again, we're going to talk about it in a second, but this whole flex workforce has been on fire, mostly because you have some of these millennials coming into the workforce and um, and wanting more. Yeah, let's. Well, it's, it's that's a perfect segue. Let's talk about that because it's. I mean, I've wanted it. Yep. You want flexibility. Yeah. How's this being driven right now, and what are employers going to need to start to think about? You know, it, it's funny because I'm sure some folks are listening start to think about. Gosh, I mean, they're probably approached by employees at least on a weekly basis. I can tell you, it's a it's a large part of what our HR business partners yeah. are doing to coach our employers when they get those requests. Is how how am I again? Fairness comes in. How am I managing this in a fair way? And by the way, is the work getting done? Like I I need to make know. sure right it, that the work it, yeah. is getting done. And then again, you have the bigger employers. Yahoo, back in the day, they had all remote workforce and they brought and them they all back, back in. And so you have all of this noise around what works, what doesn't. At the end of the day, particularly for the small business owner, y- you know where you can have some flexibility. I-, I would I would encourage employers to be thinking about productivity and results versus hours Agreed. on the job, right? So that's a huge movement that has been coming. Again, yeah. not well, new for 2018. It's easy in but. like sales or production. It's like... Hey, do we hit our numbers or do, do we not? And obviously, if you didn't, then something has to change and you can address it on a yep. case-by-case basis. I think a trap that some employers fall in um, sometimes in this topic is, well, I, I can't have my teams work from home. That's not what flex means. No, no. So, I mean, it, it can mean that. And maybe yeah. that's how it's being positioned by the employee campaigning for it. But it, it you can be flexible and you can have um, creative scheduling that would allow folks to take care of their families and yeah. work more effectively. Um, ultimately, that's going to just improve improve that employee experience yeah. and their employee loyalty to you. Because I can tell you that if you're not considering it and and pulling out all the stops to figure out, is there a way to get to a win-win here? The employer down the street is. And yeah. that's the challenge again with that sort of war on talent. You know, going back, because we talked about compensation and benefits and all the stuff's tying together, right? The flexible schedules, I've heard some people say, and you're actually one of them, uh, you don't necessarily like to work at home. So flex schedule for you means something completely different. It could mean, hey, I just want to be able to come in when I want and I'll do the work when I can, you know, that sort of thing. And I've heard that from a lot of people. Other people do want to work at home. So what's the right approach? Ask your employees, maybe? You know, what's really funny, and again, this goes back into that employee experience, what a lot of you'll you'll read, if you just Google employee experience, a lot of what you will read is, um, this is not a one size fits all, you have to get to the individual level, which is, honestly, it's nearly impossible for an employer to literally go to Brandon and Angela and it, right, right. But if you sprinkle that a little bit, it it just means that you can make a business case for this performer to have this type of arrangement, and it doesn't have to be 
all for the everybody. way yeah. across. Well, because that, that may not be important for the next person absolutely. that's sitting next to that. That's like, right. Make it individual, like it's part of their sort of comp and benefits plan. Yep. And yep. the manager can deal with the tracking or whatever. That's but exactly right. Again, your your people are adults, right? To your point, I mean, my fle- the definition of flexibility to me is the ability to leave at five and have a laptop so I can catch up at the end of the day. I mean, that's and, – and most people wouldn't define that as flexibility. So that's what the other caution I threw out there is don't jump to the conclusion this is going to be a really difficult accommodation. Most of the time, they are not really hard to make happen um, yeah. and not really expensive. So it's just – it's a way of saying if our our my employer and I both have a common goal, which is for me to be successful at work. And get my job be done. Be productive, right? Yeah. And so, and to do it well. And if I can put things in place that help me do that, that's a win-win. So it seems like managers and, and leaders of companies should be just asking the question: like, if you're going to be the most successful this year than last year, or com- in comparison, what what tools do you need yep. differently? And tools could be anything. It could be equipment, like you just said, laptop. Yep. Could be a flexible schedule. I, you know, I like to work at eight o'clock when my kids are in bed or something and, and be able to leave early so I can see them at their soccer game. You know, yep. that that kind of stuff to me is, why aren't we asking those questions? Some employers prob- probably are. I think though. so. And, and I think, again, the, the smaller you are, the quote unquote easier it is, but then at the same time you have the pressure of you don't have as much bandwidth. So then there, there's different challenges depending upon the size of your workforce. One thing I don't want to leave out of this particular area of conversation is performance management. And because again, if you if you have the employer saying, gosh, I, but I still need to get product out the door or I need to get sales in the door, or, you know, all of these objectives at the company level. Managing performance is critical and key to everything yeah. that we're talking about. We can talk about have a great employee experience, but if they're not performing, then there's a critical issue, yeah. business 101 stuff and going I, on. And I think, especially with managers, they probably need to continually define what does performance look like in terms of like KPIs or some sort of like results metric. Like myself, for example, let's say you and I had arranged where I'm going to work at home three days a week. Sounds cool, right? I think for a lot of employers, it'd be like, no no way in hell, right? right? But if you said, well, your job is to generate as many leads as possible, and we need to hit X amount of leads incoming by the end of the year mm-hmm. or on a monthly basis, whatever it may be. If I'm not hitting those targets and I'm working at home three days a week, you could probably assume what I'm doing is not effective. And so then we need to have another conversation to say, hey, what do we need to tweak about this? Because you're just, you're not hitting your benchmarks. Right, right. Absolutely. Easy conversation, right? Very much. It's just, it's a very, it's a two-way dialogue. Yep. And it's, again, it's what's happening uh, across the board in performance management in general is this is, and has not been for a while now, a once a year event. This is an yeah. ongoing Annual dialogue. Yeah. And then tying in, we're, we're doing some really good segues for ourselves, but the data side yeah. allows exactly what you're talking about, just making sure that we are really looking at measurable results and not just subjective performance. There's there's a ton of technologies coming out on performance management that's able to give in-the-moment feedback and um, just a, a lot more traction around yeah. day-to-day performance. This is not about uh, let's sit down and memorialize your entire last 365 days. So your point number four was leveraging technology. You just mentioned that. Yeah. Let, let's hit that one yeah. up. This one is it's touching everything. And I think uh, not only from an HR perspective, like you're going to have a lot of software and tools at your, uh, your disposal. Like we just talked about performance management and those tools around that. But you're talking also 
business processes, elimination of jobs potentially. So not only are you, I mean, this stuff is obviously tying in greatly across all of our conversations, skill gaps. So let's say there's a gap in skill. Well, maybe there's a technology for that, Absolutely. right? So how is HR, what is HR doing and what are employers doing to look at the technology available the people that they have and the processes that are that are needed going forward. That's a huge question. It's a huge question. And in how you pose that question is what are they doing? I'm not sure a lot of folks are doing it yet. So that would be step one, which is probably not to look at, at that, yeah. right? So, and I, and I do think some employers have been forced into reviewing technology because there's such a skill gap um, that they're having to look at what, what technologies have emerged that would help them and how can they um, systematize their their function and their production or whatever in order to reach those goals. You know, I think that the other thing that technology does, again, ties right back up to that flex workforce. I mean, you can't make the argument anymore that you can't work from home effectively from a technology perspective. So there's all kinds of tools that you're able to leverage to um, make remote workforces. You don't have to hire a talent only in your market anymore. That's a great So a lot of just remote workforce development. So you need a really top sales guy or gal for, you know, the East Coast. It doesn't have to be on the East Coast. You find the talent in the United States that makes the most sense, right? So those kinds of things from a technology are, um, I think, top of mind. And thanks to those technology companies, they are um, doing a good job marketing. So they <laughs> have a they're, lot yeah, of right. feelers out there and they're Well, because a lot of them folks. are in growth. They're in growth mode and they have to Absolutely. have a, sa- a huge sales and marketing. But, you know, <laughs> technology can connect employees better. So it can tie into True. that employee um, experience and engagement because there's all kinds of tools that allow teams to work more effectively, projects to go better, improve internal communication. Uh, so, you know, and again, going into the AI and robot and all that, that's really fun, cool stuff to look it's at. It's cool. It's scary it's for a lot of scary. employees. And, yeah. and how do you talk to your employees so that? that is a big thing for HR. So, you know, we talk about succession planning and we talk about talent mapping and, and workforce planning, all these kinds of things. You have to bring technology into that equation now because I feel like HR teams and and then you know for those that don't have teams but it's it's an individual you have to be that ambassador for change because this is happening so there's not a way for us to to sort of not go here so leverage it like make it a good thing for employee experience not a negative well it's funny because we our business we're hr consulting payroll process and you wouldn't even think like i guess i guess the payroll side is a lot of technology but I, we're so people centric where we handhold our clients. We, we were in person with them a lot of times. You would think like, we don't need a roadmap for technology at all, right? But year after year, it's one of our strategic initiatives to look at technology and how it plays a role in not only the employee experience, yep. but the client experience as well. Because inevitably, there's a process that needs to be more efficient there there's sophisticated tools out there that like why there's no point in in wasting resources to do something that a technology can do in a matter of seconds absolutely absolutely well and i think you know just the focus on productivity and efficiency is huge in this topic area because um you you can't just keep doing the same things over and yeah. over again and, and expect different results so i think the ability to be nimble and be ready to restructure and really respond to what technology is doing to the workforce and how that is um, kind of changing the talent need and the the 
I guess, security of employees. That's huge because yeah. that's culture preservation. So there's a lot of work to be done there. So with technology, they spit out a lot of data mm. and data is your, your point number five. How is data going to be used from an HR perspective? Like people, um, what kind of, yeah, what kind of tools do, do employers need to be able to report on the things that matter from a people perspective? The amount of data housed in HR is insane. It's crazy. Um, and it, and it, ha- it, it's not, that's not new. I think. And give us some examples of like what kind of oh, data gosh. Well, I mean, come out of it. you know, you obviously, you have turnover and, and hiring data in there. You have comp demographic data. data, you have comp data, you have PTO and, and how it's used and, and all mm-hmm. kinds of data. It's the analytics that is. Like how, what does that mean? Yeah. Like if you look Make at it, it on mean a trend something. basis. That's yeah. the big thing. And that's, I think HR's opportunity here is to put metrics in a, in a proactive, so what is the data telling us about our talent? What's our data telling us about what we'll need into the future from a workforce planning perspective? Predictive modeling, uh, there's, you know, a need to attach the sales team to HR for that reason, right? So what are our goals? And instead of this feeling, and I think that's what a lot of folks have been accustomed to is like, whoa, it feels busy. It's, it's no different than the manager that comes to the HR department and says, hey, I need a new guy in the, you know, whatever shipping department because yeah. I'm so busy. Well, there's there is data around all of that now, right. and and so there shouldn't be a it, feeling. Yeah, about yeah there's things. a there's a shift from like emotional the the feeling or like it's always this way, and then that the data could prove it to be yeah. incorrect. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mentioned this earlier when we first kind of laid out these five, but this is where I feel like HR has been able to step into that C-suite um, really effectively. To get the seat at the table. Yeah. Absolutely. I've always felt that yeah, too. Yeah, I think um, because it's not about, you know, really soft, unattainable. What, so what's the business goal of the HR department or team or person? It's to be able to be um, business-minded and bring yeah. metrics to the table that help the business make decisions. That's huge. Yeah. And the data's there. And so uh, it's really just a matter of making sure that, that, you know, integration of systems is huge. So you've got payroll over here and a ton of data in there. You've got what um, HRIS, and that's a big acronym, yeah. but it means a lot of different things to a lot of different yeah. people, but that's where you're going to capture your performance management and um, some of the other pieces. You've got attendance records, you've got all yeah. of these data points. And so how do you bring that together yeah. and make that meaningful? There's a solution for that. It's called Zenny. Ah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I imagine people would be listening to this conversation about data like, oh, I'm not, I'm a people person, right? I got a psychology degree and I got my PHR and, and SPHR certification. Yeah. Like, I don't know much about data. And I've, I've heard this this come up a lot of like the notion of having like an HR scorecard. Mm-hmm. Like what are the metrics that mean a lot to my business? Because then I think you can work backwards. Totally. So you say, okay, what's important from a, a metric standpoint? And he's like, okay, do we have the tools that will sort of aggregate that data for yeah. us, right? Yeah, is that, absolutely. Was that the approach you absolutely. Um, I think too, if you've never done data as part of your role in an HR leader inside the company, you've never really leveraged data, I would say there's some easy ones that you can get some traction with pretty quickly, which is turnover. So you yeah. can be um, taking a look at turnover and trending it. So not just turnover over all the entire organization, but department 
that out so you can Mm -hmm. kind of see your at-risk positions. I think most people are doing things like this or they're feeling it, but I would stop feeling it and start putting it into metrics. Time to hire is another key metric that most employers want to take a look at because they want to know how long it takes to bring on talent. You can go crazy on the turnover one, by the way, in terms of like when are folks leaving and really start looking at that life cycle of the employee and if there's specific risk areas. And so there, I mean, you could go, I know you're kind of a data junkie. You could go crazy (laughs) on that stuff. But if you've never Never done anything. Those are two pretty easy ones that you would be able to get your hands on that data relatively easy and start doing some analysis around it. We covered a lot. Compliance. I'm going to just do a quick recap. We talked about compliance uh, from a trend standpoint, not going away. Harassment, Fair Pay or Equal Pay Act. And then obviously to pay attention if the overtime rule will uh, eventually take effect. Uh, We don't know. But again, compliance not going away. So those are sort of the things that keep keep on a lookout for. Then the top five things, you got skills gap, employee experience, uh, continue focus on flexible schedule and productivity versus performance, leveraging technology and data. Any other like honorable mentions that you'd probably have? I know like we talked about the ACA stuff a little, uh, briefly, like benefit expenses yeah, yeah, and just things around that. Maybe that that's kind of one that would come to my mind. Anything that you'd want to say on that? Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely, generally speaking, expense line number two for most employers, um, particular knowledge worker um, demographic employers. Very expensive continues to increase in usually the double digits. That's just, that's a tough deal to, yeah. to sink. Cause like as an to. employer, do you absorb a lot of those costs yeah. or, well, obviously you do if you, if you pay over 50% right, or right. 90% or a hundred, and then do you want the employees to feel that? Cause then they're going to be frustrated as well. Yeah. The, the employee mandate changing. So that is one change yeah. that's happened on the ACA side. So that has employers kind of scratching their heads saying, is the employer portion of that going to go away? That's tied to all those, the 1095, 1094 filings and all of that. Uh, trust me here at Zenny and we get the phone call a couple of times a day. Hey, do we, ha- we still have to do this? Yes, we do. Um, and But that could change. But it, it, the employee mandate portion basically means that the, the employees aren't required to have benefits. And so what is that going to do to the landscape of expense as it relates to just the insurance industry as a whole? So that's definitely on the minds of employers. I wish I had something to say of what we could do about that. Um, again, maybe a future podcast with someone that, that has yeah. some ideas. I think that, that it, that's difficult. That's a gigantic yeah. expense and um, challenge for the yeah. United States. So it's, so. it's definitely something you're going to probably year after year look Absolutely. at. That's, why, that's yep. why it's an honorable mention because it's it's not anything new, but it's something to look yeah, at. Absolutely. For sure. The only other thing I from an and we touched on a couple of times, but just this it's an overarching theme on culture. So just recognizing that needing to t- shore up some of that sometimes every business has a culture if you're not sure what it is or if your employees don't know what it, it exists it's there and so being mindful it ties into the employee experience it, it ties into retention recruitment skills gap all of that stuff so it's kind of this overarching um, proactively manage that here's the thing that we find so often is employers are doing some really cool stuff they are not giving themselves credit for it so um, just as an example like uh, if you're giving a benefit for employees to be able to volunteer and not take time off so it's VTO it's become this you know volunteer yeah. time um, it's a great benefit. And many employers do it at whim. So you would come to me and say, hey, Ange, can I go do this? And I would say, absolutely, no problem. That's a thing. You're doing something there. And that can absolutely tie to your culture in terms of your connection to your community. And you can get runway out of that. So those kinds of like 
total rewards tied to compensation, huge, like something we need to be taking a look at. And I just, I feel like employers are cutting themselves short on the overall sort of advocating for themselves and recognizing what they're doing already. So having some organization around that is huge. Awesome. Well, uh, for the listeners who've been reaching out to me lately and said they want podcasts over 40 minutes, they got their wish. Uh-oh. Today. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, we could honestly talk for a couple hours. So I, I appreciate this discussion. Um, 2018 is going to be a great year. There's a lot of momentum, a lot of um, whether it's there's a lot of negativity in the news, but there, there's a lot of positivity. Lots from of work the business to do, standpoint. right? Lots of opportunity. Lots of work to do. It's challenging. <laughs> it's fun. Like we don't want to be bored in our jobs, right? And I think HR, you you got your, your work cut out Absolutely. for you. I mean, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a fun year. Indeed. Yeah. So Angela Perkins, thank you for being part of the podcast and you're welcome to, again, guest host anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.